That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. Look, the TikTok saga. It's going to end, or it's going to happen, or it's going to do something in the next few days. Will TikTok be sold? Will it not be anything? Will it be banned in the U.S.? Will it be dark soon? There are so many angles to this story, so many interesting ways to tease out something that is unprecedented in the world of tech, at least recently. Alex Kantrowitz pinged me to talk about it, and he's a good dude to do so because he wrote a whole book about the big tech platforms. And as we get into, as you'll hear in a second, this is so, so rare. A big up-and-coming platform that is just for weird, ahistorical reasons being offered up on a platter for all the other powers to, I don't know, take over? I quoted Alex when he was at BuzzFeed for years on this show, but as we discuss at the end, Alex has gone solo. Check out his newsletter, Big Technology. Check out his podcast, Big Technology. He had our friend M.G. Siegler on to talk about Apple recently, and I was like, could I have gotten as good an analysis of Apple out of MG if I had interviewed him myself? Probably not. Alex is great. Subscribe to Alex's stuff. Enjoy our conversation. So I did just check uh, for the purposes of, of talking to you right now, Alex. And as of this moment, TikTok hasn't sold, but for all we know, uh, it could happen uh in an hour. Have you heard anything? Do you, do you get a sense of that things are getting down? It's definitely got to be crunch time because the deadline's coming fast and furious, right? I'm definitely going to look stupid by the time this thing goes live when I say this, but um, I am amazed that it's still even talked about as being in play mm. as something that can be bought because we know that the Chinese government is making the companies, making ByteDance go through a review before it sells, before it can hand over the algorithm. And the fact that like Oracle and Microsoft are still talking about or still haven't shot down the fact that TikTok could be sold by the September 15th deadline means that they would consider taking it without the algorithm, which to me seems ridiculous and totally counterproductive to what they're aiming for. Um, so I would be astonished if this thing gets sold before this thing goes to air or before that September 15th deadline. Um, but Wait, I thought it was September 20th. Is it 15th or the 20th? Actually, we should look that up. We should. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the 20th. Um, but yeah, my at this point, my money is on a deal not happening. But um, and, and then, you know, one thing I do know is President Trump said yesterday, apparently, You're right, that, the 20th, that there will be no extension of that uh, September 20th deadline. Um, oh, but here's ours technical also saying Trump vows not to extend deadline beyond September 15th. See, this is sort of the thing of the sale. <laughs> This is the most confusing forced acquisition of all time. Like this is something that if you if you're used to following a simple cadence of how a company is bought and sold, 
nothing makes sense on this one. This is a completely bizarre land type of deal. Well, because and, you know what? Think about it. The, both of the forces in the background causing this to happen are both capricious because we don't really know why. Well, we can get into this later. Like, why does the Trump administration want this to happen? And also, why does China, does China, is China going to allow it to happen? Do they really want to put a spanner in the works and make sure we should it doesn't about, happen? Why don't we talk about that now? Because I think yeah. that's sort of the important stuff. Yeah, so go ahead. You can definitely see why the Trump administration would want TikTok to be sold. And in fact, as a bystander, there are definite reasons why you would say this sale makes sense. The first thing, and I think Ben Thompson, who is a TechCrunch, uh, f- uh, sorry, a tech meme favorite, has uh, has pointed out, is that this is an uh, an algorithm powered social app that doesn't really rely on a follow model. So let's say you had the Chinese Communist Party in the background saying we actually want to push these type of memes or this type of feeling in this type of country. TikTok could essentially tweak the algorithm and do that, and we would never know because it's not coming from people you follow. It's largely coming from this algorithmically powered for you page. So that's the content side. And then you look at the national security side. And we do know that like they could have the power to track in ways that would make uh, people running a country and running a security system feel pretty uncomfortable. So that would definitely be the argument to sell. I I was going to ask you, do you do you have TikTok on your phone? I have it on my phone. I mean, I'm personally not that worried. Like right, I'm not, right. uh, you know, a member of the CIA. So wait, that, that's, that's I, funny because yeah. look, I, I'm the opposite. I, I took it off my phone because on the one, I've said on this show that like I'm agnostic to this whole idea of, you know, a new cold war with China and agnostic in the sense that I haven't made up my mind yet. Cause I can see arguments on both sides and things like that. But then at the same time, I'm totally convinced that TikTok is like some sort of Manchurian candidate designed uh, spying tool like that. I, I, I bought that immediately when the argument was made. So I don't yeah. know. I'm all over the place. Here, but. I'm also all over the place. You know, I just had, I just right before we got on this call, uh, I had a conversation with Mega Rajagopalan, who's a BuzzFeed mm-hmm. uh, news correspondent who has written about the uh, internment camps in Xinjiang and, uh, you know, spent years in Beijing as a reporter before getting kicked out. She was one of like the, she was like the hipster of reporters that got kicked out. She got kicked out early. Now they kicked out like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and a bunch of others. And so I asked her about it. I said, what do you, you know, she was on the podcast and I said, what do you uh, think about this? And she said, look, I lived in China. I lived in China where the internet was restrictive and I'd be very worried about the U.S. going to that type of internet. So I see that that's the other side of the argument. Um, So for me, it's like, I definitely see the argument to ban and I definitely see the argument not to ban because I agree with Mega that it could really be this, uh, this slippery slope where once you start down this road, you don't know where you end up. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's much larger geopolitical things here where uh, not to not to verge too far into politics, but like one of my skepticism for the idea of a Cold War with China is that I've been hearing that from hawkish people for 25 years. There's a certain uh, point of view out there that, well, it's inevitable. China's the up and coming power. They're going to have to clash with the the fading power at some point, the fading power in theory being the US. So I've always been jaundiced towards that because I'm like, well, of course, certain types are always itching for some new fight to happen or things like that. But then at the same time, clearly, you know, um, I don't, I wouldn't want to live under a, an internet regime the way that China runs their internet regime. I don't want any, I don't want half the world to run under that regime. I like the, in theory, open internet that we've been operating under for 30 years, you know? 
Totally. And the argument against banning TikTok is that we're, we'd be banning based off of hypotheticals. Right. So then it's like this question of like... Okay, well, that's a question for you. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think, because I've heard this from a lot of people. Well, in the background, it's one of those things where, like I was just, I, I was listening to the um, uh, Hardcore History uh, latest episode, and he was talking about how in World War II, like they knew all this stuff that the Japanese and Germans were doing, but they couldn't, they would still let battles happen that they knew would be a disaster because they didn't want to give away the intelligence that they had. Lots of people have said to me, yeah, you're not getting the school, the, the, the full scoop here. They know what China's doing. They don't want to tell you how they know what China's doing or precisely what they know China is doing because they don't want to give away their, not their sourcing, but how they know it, right? Yeah, I, I sort of disagree with that. I mean, just look at the history of our U.S. intelligence operation mm. and how they've handled social media manipulation in the past. There was a widespread you know, disinformation campaign that the Russians embarked on using Facebook and Twitter and YouTube as primary vectors. And I, I don't think that this was uh, well communicated by the U.S. intelligence. Officials yeah, right. Where, where was, where was and, the, the U.S. intelligence uh, exactly. community there? Yeah. Right. And if there's anything that you're going to want to prevent, it's an election manipulation. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that that didn't happen and it still went on and Facebook only discovered it after the fact and then had to answer for it without the U.S. intelligence community answering for it, I think is a pretty clear indication that we are behind when it comes to trying to figure out what's going on with these cyber attacks. And it really does point to the fact that, like, you have two options. You ban before uh, there's a hypothetical scenario that happens, or you step up your intelligence effort to make sure that this isn't happening. And when you find evidence of it happening, then you ban right away without going through this whole mm, pre-election mm. day reality television so show situation, which the Trump administration is going on with TikTok. Okay, well, let me let me let me come at this from a different angle, and then we can we can come back to TikTok specifically uh, again. So I'm also the argument. This argument makes sense to me. We're if if the goal here is to. It is strategic. It is that the U.S. wants to maintain the technological supremacy that it's had essentially since World War II, right? What, what country in terms of technology has been able to be competitive with the U.S., both, you know, in a military sense of the technology, but also technology as an industry? I'm, I am sympathetic to the argument that we're going about this the wrong way because by banning all of these things, by not, and not just TikTok, like the actual technology, this company can't do business with US chip makers, et cetera, et cetera. We're creating a scenario where incentivizing and turbocharging the Chinese efforts to essentially create a, a mega homegrown technology industry that will inevitably eventually supplant the US technology industry. Yeah, I think that if you look at this, I don't think this is a battle over tech supremacy. And in fact, if you look at this from the view of who's going to be more supreme from a technological standpoint, I think you're right. If anything, this hurts the U.S. position because it does encourage retaliation. Like one of the things uh, that Casey Newton from The Verge reported on was that Mark Zuckerberg told the whole community at Facebook, told the employees, look, we're not a fan of this ban of TikTok because if... Countries see that the U.S. goes and bans TikTok. What's going to prevent a country from, from banning something like Facebook? You saw India ban TikTok, right? Is there going to be a point where the Indian government eventually says, eh, you know, we, uh, we think Facebook is more of a net negative to our country than a net positive. Facebook is gone. All of a sudden, a one billion plus market mm -hmm. uh, is, is out of the picture for Facebook. And what does that do to the U.S.? You know, and, and you can just go down the line. Let's say Apple, sorry, let's say China retaliates by trying to ban Apple. 
you know, or trying right. to harm Apple's operation. What does that do? So this has nothing but downside, I think, for the question of the U.S. being a technological superpower and whether it can sustain that. Well, I'm also even saying it in the sense that I did a, a segment recently about China investing like one and a half trillion dollars. They're going to do essentially a moonshot to create their own domestic uh, chip industry because what what it, the existing bands they've already seen. Well, Huawei can't get chips from the U.S., so we've got it. So essentially, we could look back in 20 years. Oh, in the same way that now there's no telecoms industry without Huawei. We'll be like, 20 years later, uh, yeah, the entire silicon industry is now Chinese-owned. And it was because 20 years ago, we, we forced them into you know, uh, making it all homegrown, and, and, and they did it better eventually. Yeah, Brian, I mean, this is the thing. Like All the stuff we're talking about requires a government that's going to think two or three steps yeah. beyond. Mm. And they can't think two or three minutes beyond the current moment right now. So I think it sort of points to the weakness of the U.S. government today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So to bring it back to TikTok, uh, let, let's get into the, the so-called suitors. I think you and I are in agreement that I would give this, I would give it, first of all, I would give it a 50-50 that a deal will be announced like someone might in the last minute say, Microsoft, all right, we're going to do it. But then the deal won't ever actually close because the Chinese will put a spanner in the works, the, the Trump administration, will, whatever. I, I, I put it 15% an actual deal would ever happen. Um, but when, okay, when the name started to pop up at first, when Microsoft was, was mooted as a buyer, I was like, well, that's funny because that doesn't seem like a good fit. What is Microsoft going to do with, uh, with uh, social media? But as we'll, we can discuss, progressively it got more absurd for Microsoft. And in a way, Microsoft makes the most sense because they have no real play in social. It's obvious why Microsoft wants to do it, right? Yeah, I think that, um, it, you know, the, this, I feel like the theme of this all is, you know, a, you know, a, a cascading set of charades mm. uh, that we're seeing being played here. And... Um, one of them is that there's actually competition for this thing. Um, I think that if it does get sold to a U.S. company, it's going to be this combination of Microsoft and Walmart. Um, a, because, yeah, it makes the most sense there. Uh, I don't think Walmart uh, can afford to lose this thing. You saw Walmart actually change coalitions. They were initially going with a coalition that had, I think, Alphabet mm -hmm. and SoftBank in it. So they weren't serious, then decided to go to the number one suitor which was Microsoft because Walmart needs to make big bets on the internet. Right now, all it has is walmart.com. You compare that with what Amazon has and it's getting blown out of the water in 10 different directions. Um, Oracle is the other big suitor, right? And I, I think I'm skipping ahead here, but Oracle makes absolutely zero sense. This right. is a company that really couldn't even transition very well to the cloud and was the leader in the backend services that were sort of underpinning the software world and then very quickly just kind of lost everything, right? They lost their lead to, um, to Amazon and to 
to uh, Microsoft, Google, Salesforce, you name it. If anything, what I think Oracle right now is kind of like they're like the dial-up business of AOL that people didn't know to cancel and just kept propelling that company for years until it eventually collapsed and became Oath. And now who knows what that, that company is actually doing. So long story short, I would say that if you're thinking about suitors, it's going to be Microsoft, Walmart, that is the lead here. I don't think they should buy TikTok, uh, you know, period, but they would be the one. Uh, the Oracle, I think, is a joke and everybody else. I mean, Twitter, I mean, give me a break. They, they've already killed the predecessor to TikTok. So what are they going to do? Come back and buy right. it for multiples of that valuation. Well, it doesn't and- make a lot of sense to me. So the last time we had you on the show, we were discussing your book, Always Day One, which in, in essence, the thesis, the, the point of the book is you were trying to explain to people how these big technology platforms and companies operate, what their philosophies are, why they're so successful. And Microsoft was not one of the four that you, but you talked about Microsoft a lot in that book as well. So what's mm-hmm. your take? Do you think that Microsoft could, there's no, none of us think that, that an Oracle, TikTok brought to you by Oracle would work at all. It would be dead no. within 18 months or something. Do you think a TikTok brought to you by Microsoft could work? Yeah. Could it work? Yeah. Well, well I think it definitely could work. Will Microsoft overpay for it? Absolutely. I mean, I'm, deal, I'm specifically asking, yeah. do you think that Microsoft has the, because you wrote a newsletter about this, about like mm-hmm. how, how anyone that got this, got TikTok, it could blow up in their face. And like, yes. one of the first things that you wrote was like, you need the leadership talent and you use right. like the, the failed Tumblr acquisition by Yahoo mm-hmm. as an example. So what I'm specifically asking is based on your understanding of Microsoft, do you believe culturally leadership wise that they could pull it off? I think it will be difficult. I think they could, but I think it will be difficult. And here's the number one reason. So why was Microsoft able to do so well with the LinkedIn acquisition? It's because they take the leader, they took the leadership and they put of LinkedIn and they put them in charge of the integration, which is the opposite of how it usually goes. Usually you put somebody from inside the house in charge of the integration with the company you acquire. And you have the person, that person start to enforce all these existing cultural norms that, you know, Create made it so that you actually needed to acquire, acquire a company to be competitive. Um, and so Microsoft made this really smart move of flipping that and saying, we're going to allow LinkedIn leadership to run this deal. Can they do it with the TikTok situation? No, they can't because um, the ByteDance CEO isn't coming along with the deal. The TikTok CEO just resigned. A lot of the employees, which is where the ideas are going to come from to help evolve the product, won't come along as well. So what are you left with? You're sort of left with a skeleton crew from TikTok coming over. And then maybe you put some people who were on like Skype or something uh, or on their racist <laughs> chatbot to run, uh, run TikTok. And to me, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. So, I, you know, the, the, the caveat here is that Satya is a good leader. He's proven to acquire better than his predecessor. You know, Steve Ballmer lit billions of dollars on fire. Uh, and attempted uh, failed acquisitions. And you look at the Aquanic deal, Nokia, the list goes on. Um, Satya has been a little bit better about that, but I just really am worried because when it comes to making helping a consumer social app thrive, you need the leadership who have been able to, who who know the cadence, who know the the user, who know the who have the ability to transform. And when those people aren't going to come over in the deal, you're already playing like three or four steps behind. Meanwhile, you have Facebook you know, going hard at, at the skeleton of the already forming skeleton of TikTok. And that will be really difficult to fund off. You, 
the can you remember the last time i mean you know why microsoft wants to do it right like we're both in agreement that if you're microsoft you've got to take this because again like when was the last time something like this happened where an obviously next big thing suddenly became available and it sort of like drops from the sky if you're a Microsoft that doesn't have a play in social and it's like, oh, here, you can have it if you want it. If you're Microsoft, you you can't not take that deal if you can get it, right? I think you can, well, if, if it's going to be, all right, so here's the thing. I think you can walk away. Mm. Um, the The thing that really bugs me is the price, $30 billion for something that might not even come along with the algorithm. That sounds a little Let's bit... Let's come back to yeah. the algorithm in a second. Um, finish that thought. So, so, but the other... I, I balk at the price, but then you look at the economy that we've had under Trump in the middle of this coronavirus situation, and that $30 billion would essentially be found money for Microsoft because it's had mm-hmm. this... You know, Microsoft and the rest of the tech giants have had this surge in the middle of this uh, pandemic. And so it's definitely increased its market cap by more than that. So it would almost be like you're spending free money on an asset and you can sort of, you know, you can, you can afford to fail on it because it's not really coming at a great cost, but there are downsides to it. If you kill it, you're going to have the next generation of enterprise software buyers. Remember that you destroyed their favorite apps when they were, were, they were a tween (laughs) and they'll never want to buy for you again. (laughs) You're going to have the reputational damage of being a company that sort of bought this thing illicitly. And, and, you know, I almost, um, you know, my book is always day one, always be reinventing. And it's going to be weird to say this, but like, there's almost a sense of like, if it isn't broken, don't fix it. And right now, Microsoft is in the middle of a reinvention going from that desktop operating system in Windows to a company that prioritizes mobile and cloud, and especially giving people the platform to build things on their own with Azure. So do they want to now muddy that and sort of have this become the thing that they're known for? Sadia is heralded right now as a brilliant CEO, a great leader, someone that's transformed the company. And this is tainted, no, no doubt about it. Um, and I do wonder about what the reputational harm will be for Microsoft down the line, A, if they buy it, B, if they ruin it. I, let me, this is going to be super, <laughs> this is going to be super history nerdy, but let me, let me hit on this one more time with a really hurt, nerdy history analogy into it i'm saying i can't remember the i can't remember any time that something like this happened in the sense of this reminds me of the war of the spanish succession where all of a sudden france could put one of their uh the the grandson of louis the 14th on the spanish throne and all of a sudden the entire like and then the 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 great powers of europe got together and was like should we allow the french to put somebody on the spanish throne and it like you have all of the, the 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 great powers of tech suddenly oh my god we can scoop up what is clearly probably the next big thing and it's like the, it's it's like the the power balance in tech i can't remember when something like that happened where it's almost like you know the king dying without an heir like the fact that can you remember an example like this where all of a sudden a major piece on the chessboard was available yeah. for everyone else to scoop up? Yeah, and this is where I dispute that it's the next big thing in its mm. acquired form. That's probably where we're disagreeing. Yeah, go on. Yeah, because I sort of hinted at it before, but I do think that um, if you come along with only a segment of the user base, if you come along potentially without the algorithm, you know, I've heard people say, oh, Microsoft will very quickly develop an algorithm that will mirror what TikTok does. We've never seen any evidence of Microsoft be, you know, being able to do it. Facebook, for instance, has built social algorithms for a long time. 
and it's put a, a massive effort in building up reels and the algorithm and the experience on reels is still inferior to TikToks. So people are like, but Microsoft will no brainer be able to replicate that experience if you get the shell of TikTok and you don't get the algorithm, you don't get all the users, you don't get the leadership. Um, to me, I think that's overly optimistic of what Microsoft will do with it if it comes along without those parts. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's just I look at the risks. I look at the risks of, you know, the money and the reputational harm, the algorithm, the leadership. And to me, you know, it sort of adds up to like, you can do this, Microsoft. It's free money that you're spending. But um, I don't think there's this guarantee of success that a lot of folks are assuming. And you wrote in, in your newsletter that the algorithm is ultimately the most important part of the purchase. So if the algorithm's not a part of the deal, everyone should walk, right? Totally. Yeah. Walk yeah. without the algorithm. Uh, I mean, uh, unless my, uh, yeah, again, I don't. And it's ironic because yeah. it's the algorithm that we think the U.S. government is suspicious of. Right. It's the algorithm that um, in theory, like if you, you could even take the name TikTok off it, but if you just knew the special sauce, but it's the special sauce that is maybe the, the reason that China doesn't want it to be exported. Um, so well, uh, let's say, let's, I think we should add a little bit of nuance there. So it's not the algorithm itself that the U.S. government is worried about. It's the possibility about the spy, of the backdoors and things like that. Right. Well, well I would say uh, more than anything, it's the possibility of an uh, app that's based in China, um, who's, that's owned by ByteDance, which has already apologized to the Chinese Communist Party for not censoring enough. Is there a possibility that the Communist Party then comes in and asks ByteDance to tweak the TikTok algorithm in a way that puts pro-Chinese messaging out in front of U.S. users um, and controls the culture in a way? Now, it's kind of, you know, conspiracy theory sounding in this country, but, you know, for people that study China, I think it's a real issue. So... Yeah. And, and then, so, so that's really the, the main worry here, I would say. So this is another thing that I feel like, can you remember when this happened? Like there, it, obviously things uh, <laughs> drop in popularity yeah. all the time, like dig and Tumblr just slowly bleed out or mm -hmm. like Blackberry messenger or AOL instant messenger or whatever. Like by the time they go dark, it's because everybody left anyway. Can you remember a time when in, by the end of this month, in essence, and we can get into some of the details speculating about how, if this is even technically feasible, but if all of a sudden the 100 million people in the US or something, uh, monthly active users of TikTok suddenly couldn't use it. Like, have, can you remember any time that has happened? No, that, yeah. that'll be a first. I mean, there's yeah. so many firsts. Like we talked about at the beginning of this discussion, this definitely defies precedent. It's um, something that you just haven't seen happen before. And all the sort of shortcuts and thinking that you would take to sort of understand something like this just don't apply here. So it is extremely confusing. Uh, and one of those, it's such an interesting story because there are so many moving parts. Um, like we said, we couldn't, we don't need, we're getting mixed messaging. We have like three dates of when the actual deadline might be. To <laughs> right, sell. right. So well, not only that. All right. So will it actually go dark? Because I, I read a piece from Bloomberg this morning that mm -hmm. actually I read that got one too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so think about this. Like the president does not have the power to delete an app from my phone. Okay. Yeah. So then what would happen? Well, he could sign, you can't do business with TikTok. So Apple and Google would have to remove the app from their app stores. But that doesn't mean that the app net functionality would go dark if it's already on your phone. Right. Right. 
So then the next order could be, all right, you can't do business with TikTok. So I guess, you know, AWS or whoever hosts their stuff and whatever, maybe would have to make it go dark. But in theory, what if it's not a month from now, no one can use TikTok? Mm-hmm. It's that TikTok continues on in a zombie way because it actually really, you can't flip the switch or we have no real mechanism to flip the switch. Yeah, it could happen. I, re- I read that Bloomberg story too and I was a little confused because they're saying he doesn't have a po- the power to delete an app off your phone, but he does have the power to compel the app stores to no longer allow you to be able to use it. Well, so, that's, that, that's that Cephas thing. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Right. You can no longer do business with Huawei or ZT or whoever they, that Cephas organization uh, mm-hmm. can it's yeah. like it's against the law to do business. It's essentially like um, if you're, you know, you can't do business with Iran because they're under sanction, right? But do so now. Let me ask you a question: Do we know that the president has the same has the power? Well, right. I don't um, think so <laughs> because Cephas is one thing; the president is another thing. Right. So this, yeah, I, I don't know. Okay, let's just go with the Bloomberg example and say that that it, it can stay on our phones, but can't update. Yeah, so it could, but it could stay for a while, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. Um, but like, let's say there's a bug, right? They just had to fix this bug on Android. Mm-hmm. So if there's a bug, okay, let me throw out this scenario to you. Okay, let's say they find a bug that exploits all the user data, right? So you find you can go in and learn everything you want about the people using TikTok, right? And they have a bug fix, but Apple and Google aren't allowed to push that update, right? What happens then? Right. Do we judge, are they just required to let all of Americans' data leak out of that app? Or, um, you know, TikTok has gotten into trouble about, you know, bad videos on there, uh, you know, not to trigger anybody, yeah. but there was a suicide video on there recently. There's been, you know, issues around content and children and stuff like that. Well, what if you can't prosecute or you can't, you can't get TikTok to take things down that you would want them to take down, right? Exactly, right? So this is the whole thing. Like, we're talking about... Um, a world where you really need to think because there's so many unintended consequences when you do anything uh, when it comes to technology. Um, You need leaders that think two or three or four steps Mm -hmm. beyond what actually happens in the immediate aftermath. And this is like one of those scenarios. I mean, we've had so much mixed messaging from the administration. Uh, We don't really know what's going to happen. And it's very clear that some of these long-term consequences haven't been well thought out. Um, I'll say that while not while, while saying it's good that we're examining TikTok in this way. Um, no, sorry, it's good that we're examining TikTok. I don't know if this is the right way to go about it. Right. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID, and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months, or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride 
to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide dot com slash ride. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, then let me give you one more hypothetical that's almost impossible, but I'll, I'll after you give me your answer, I'll tell you what I think would happen. Yeah. People Let's, always yell at me on, on my podcast when I do this, but I kind of like these questions, so bring it on. <laughs> TikTok, TikTok goes dark. Yeah. And so all, all the kids got nowhere to go to... to share their memefied videos. And so everyone would assume, okay, well, maybe everybody migrates to uh, the, the Facebook clone or whatever, Reels. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen it in India, Keeping apparently. Reels. All, yeah. of the, all of the TikTok clones in India have seen a surge and whatever. But what if not? Like, what if, that, what if this just dissipates a certain moment and a certain energy and a certain kind of social? And, and because... And, and then by the time it recoalesces, I mean, the example would be Reddit is Reddit because everyone left uh, Dig. But what mm-hmm. if that doesn't necessarily have to happen? I don't, I don't see, yeah. it, everyone's left Tumblr, but I don't see a replacement for Tumblr. Things just evolved into something else. So I would say that's a possibility, but here's why I would bet against something like this stuff dissipating. These short form kind of fun videos with like a lot of stuff packed into a few seconds. Is I, I think Twitter actually did invent it with, with mm-hmm. Vine. Yeah. That, that constraint, those, that quick seven second video um, required, uh, I think created a new format. And then, okay, okay all the creators left Vine because Vine wouldn't pay, uh, pay them. And they went and recreated that world on Snapchat. Now they've moved to TikTok. So I think this really is this kind of feature on the internet that we're going to see for a long time. The question is like, what form it takes in the long run. And that I'm not sure about. So Alex, um, since you were on this show the last time. Uh, you and I have talked uh, offline a lot since then. But that's right. Um, you have you've gone into the business of Alex Kantrowitz, <laughs> <laughs> or people can go into business with you in the business of Alex Kantrowitz. So that's um, right. Newsletter, podcast. Now, tell me, tell me about what. Tell the audience about what you're doing now, and then uh, tell me about how it's going. Yeah. So I was, when we were speaking, I just released the book Always Day One. I was a reporter at BuzzFeed News and then decided to go independent. Um, and so I do a newsletter called Big Technology, a podcast, Big Technology Podcast, and I'm now contributing on air for CNBC. Um, and honestly, the podcast, so I saw you, you tweeted that you were looking for some people 
Can I, can I share this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You tweeted you were looking for some people who are interested in doing, you know, podcasts with you. And I was like, I was thinking about this idea of going independent. And that tweet actually inspired me to start, you know, my own podcast. Um, and we, I called you up, right? I, I, think I, I, DM'd apolo- you I apologize. <laughs> no, actually, I was going to say that the podcast to me has been the most fun part of this entire thing. Um, it's been super rewarding. And I love the ability to just be able to, you know, sit with people in the tech world and kind of talk about things. We've had some um, interesting guests, Box CEO, Aaron Levy's been on, Casey Newton from The Verge has been on. Like I mentioned, I just interviewed Mega, who has been from BuzzFeed News, who's and, been uh, like... The, the in, MG Siegler interview I thought was John, amazing. Yeah, MG and I, so I read MG all the way through reporting my book because I was like starting from a low uh, knowledge base on Apple and just thought his writing was terrific and used the podcast as a chance to be able to go and speak with him about like his views on Apple and what I saw was happening with the company. Uh, and we had this like nice little, um, you know, back and forth. And then this week, so we talked about with Casey Newton, I talked about why people hate tech journalists. Now this upcoming week, I'm speaking with Roy Bahat from Bloomberg beta about this sense of grievance in the tech world uh, right now, where like a lot of VCs and tech folks, uh, seem to be upset at the way the world perceives them, especially reporters. Um, and so Roy and I sort of um, psychoanalyze a little bit of like what it's like to be uh, in the tech world right now, what drives people to tech and start to look at the problem from that perspective. Um, so it's it's been an absolute blast. This is definitely the most fun I've ever had in my career. Um, it's really nice to be self-directed. Um, and I don't, I mean, I wouldn't say it's worked yet. Actually, I would say it hasn't worked yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but will it work? You know, I'm giving it a, like a year, about a year. So about three months in, so maybe nine more months. Then I'll make a decision about whether I need to get a job or whether I'm going to keep doing this. Um, I think it's going to work. I just see a lot of positive signs. I've really enjoyed it. Everything's growing um, slowly, but it is growing. So we're not at a hockey stick. We're more at like a, one of those 45 degree angles. My, um, my analogy is in is always the reverse. It's all my career is rolling a snowball down a hill. It might not <laughs> it might not roll fast, but you wake up yeah. one day and you're like, oh shit, I got a big snowball here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's what it feels like. I agree. So um, it's it's yeah, it's been super exciting, um, and you've been so helpful. Uh, just to give you a shout out on your show, but um, just so generous with your time and so helpful and and. Um, I feel, I feel like I've just learned a lot about podcasting and, you know, what it's like being independent from you. And I want to say thanks. Well, uh, happy to do it. Let, let me, let me, let's end with this. I'll, I'll be this kind of podcaster. Um, there's lots of people out there now trying to go solo. What's the one lesson so far you've learned that if someone out there is, is wanting to go solo, build their own brand, what's the thing that's either surprised you or you didn't know. And you're like, well, this is what you need to do to launch well. Okay, I would say that if you're if you're thinking about doing this, you've probably seen some evidence that there would be a demand for your you know services, whether it's reporting or analysis of companies, um, and there's probably some truth to that. Um, for me, what I've found is that the hardest part is just knowing when to um, say yes to things, because um, and I had been a freelancer before, so I kind of knew what this what like running your own company might be like. Um, but like, I feel like there's never a shortage of work that you can do. And the question is, I think someone, I think I saw someone saying that there's like this 2080 principle, which I've thought about a lot, which that like 20% of the work will get you 80% of the results. 
And for me, it's really just been a, a matter of focusing on that and asking myself, am I doing 80% of the work now to give me 20% of the results or 20% of the work to give me 80% of the results? And just like the biggest trick is just learning how to dedicate yourself to like the high value activities and also like, you know, learning to be an entrepreneur. Um, it doesn't come naturally for a lot of folks. Um, and I think that just like having that desire to be, to be an entrepreneur, to be a salesperson, uh, to be someone who runs their own company, um, is, you know, I've already, I've always had that, like I've worked in sales. So I used to sold ad tech for a year before going into journalism and bought ads for two years before doing this. So I had a sense of what that was like, but it's definitely different from, you know, typical, you know, reporter jobs, typical, um, analyst jobs. And so I've actually had to teach myself to do that again. Like there was this book that I read before I became an enterprise sales guy called hope is not a strategy, which okay. is just like one of those, like, embarrassing covers of like it's a white cover with a white guy standing on it in a suit and it says hope is not a strategy and you're like give me a break but actually has tons of good lessons in terms of what it what it's like to do a solution sale and all that stuff just kept you know came back um so yeah definitely different skills it's hard um make you have to make difficult choices but it's been it's been super super fun and so rewarding and i've really i've really enjoyed every minute of it and that's not an overstatement well I'm enjoying it too because you're obviously good at what you do and a smart voice. But you you missed the most important thing, which is the Alec Baldwin lesson from Glengarry Glen Ross, which is uh, a a b p always be plugging. So let's end always by again all yeah. again the newsletter is and the podcast is and I can find them where. Yeah, so uh, newsletters big technology um, big technology podcast most importantly. Uh, is big technology podcast it's available on on um, all the apps um, and and I think that's mostly it I think if you if you follow along there you'll hear about anything else but those are the two main places uh, that I like to hang out thank you Alex thank you thanks so much for having me <laughs> <laughs>